When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Friday, March 24th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 505 features the Boston Globe's Gary Washburn. And I'm Evan Valenti, and this show is powered by FanDuel, HelloFresh, and BetterHelp. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to get a $200 bonus for your first bet of at least $5 or more. Go to HelloFresh.com and use the promo code BEAT60 for 60% off and free shipping. And finally, go to BetterHelp.com slash BEAT to get 10% off your first month. All right, here we go. A new edition of Celtics Beat. Welcome in, everybody. Adam Kaufman and Valenti, but we are always here. Instead, we are joined by a, uh, a special guest. He is the one worth hyping up, and that is Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe. You know him, obviously, from his writing, from various appearances on this show, and maybe even first and foremost, his own podcast that he has, the A-List Podcast. He doesn't do it by himself, but it's part of the CLNS Media Network with uh, Kwani and, uh, and Sherrod as well, so... Uh, it's, you know, great to have you, Gary, here with us. Been a couple of months, so we try not to bug you uh, or anybody else too, too often. Nice little rotation so that you want to keep coming on with us. How are you? I'm great, guys. How you guys doing? Good. Uh, obviously, as as we sit here and, and you know, this, the show's not live, it's recorded, and so it'll come out at some point a little bit later on in the day. Maybe by the time those of you out there are listening, the Celtics game against the Pacers is underway or already been played. I don't know. That doesn't matter. This isn't a show that focuses game to game. It's more of a big picture show. And Gary, there couldn't be any bigger big picture topic going on right now than Jalen Brown and the Boston Celtics, obviously, and what his future will look like in Boston. Will it be in Boston? He has done multiple interviews of late. New York Times, The Ringer, he has said a lot of things that people are uh interpreting, I guess. I, I kind of want to say that, although I feel like his comments have been pretty matter-of-fact, at least they were, until he got up on the podium the other night and said some stuff was taken out of context. So uh, I I do have, obviously, some some very specific thoughts and questions with respect to all of this, but I'm wondering what your immediate takeaways were when you read or listened to some of the interviews that he's done. Obviously I've had the opportunity to chat with him as well. Uh, I kind of feel like he just let people know what he was thinking. Um, He's a very honest person. Uh, He's a very serious person. And I think that this was kind of a breakdown in terms of, uh, the New York Times article on the Ringer article, just kind of how he was feeling and where he is at at this point in his career and some reflections on things that have happened in the recent past in Boston and some of the distant past in Boston. So um, I wasn't like bowled over by anything that he said. I don't think it's smart for him to say, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to come back to Boston. Uh, you know, was he, what do you want him to say? I'll come back if you have me. Like you want him to do Kyrie, like and then <laughs> feel the uh, brunt of that if it doesn't work out. Like I kind of think that that's I, I don't think it was anything shocking. I don't think it was anything that took me by surprise. 
you know, now the, the only thing I just stood out was kind of like the business aspect of it, where he said he was having trouble or had experienced some resistance in terms of buying property and, and doing business in Boston. And that's a whole different to- another topic with black owned businesses in the city and perhaps, uh, you know, folks not wanting people of Jalen's color to move into their neighborhood, even though they enjoy watching him play basketball and watching him make millions and watching him lead the Celtics to victory. They don't necessarily want him or any of his kind in their neighborhood. That's a whole different topic. Uh, I don't know of any specific examples that he brought up, but obviously I think that's something to take note of too. And um, I, I just think Jalen is a, is a person who's going to have problems and issues with authority in terms of the system that is currently constructed where uh, there's 29 owners who are white or non-black. Uh, they make money off a majority black league, a majority uh, whites cover the league, write about the league, uh, you know, and it, it, it's a system that quite honestly uh, could be construed as, uh, you know, and they're making millions, so you don't want to look view them as anything or, or sympathetic figures, but you will look at them as someone who would, they're just part of the system. Sometimes, some ways they would, maybe some would consider them pawns, consider them just chess pieces in this bigger corporate game where, you know, uh, you know, now the, with the, with the highest, I mean, I saw that, uh, like literally, the Oakland A's and the Pittsburgh Pirates are like the eighth most profitable teams in the Major League Baseball, but they're not paying their players. They're like literally going cheap, but they're making money off revenue sharing. Um, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks sold for $3.5 billion, if I'm not mistaken, which was a $1.5 billion more than Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers in 2014. So the... Prices of the uh, franchises are skyrocketing. The worth of the league, they're about to get another astronomical TV contract. And then I think Jalen, guys like Jalen look at the players as well. We don't get a, a piece of this at all. We're just, we're getting compensated handsomely. We're rich. We get it. But, you know, uh, what did Chris Rock say? Not in this one, but it's like, we're rich, but I'm rich, but Oprah's wealthy. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> um, you know, Jalen's rich. Rick Grusbeck's wealthy. Sure. So uh, I think that there's a kind of a, from a, a group of players, kind of a disenchantment with the system. And Jalen's one of those players, and he's going to voice his opinion on that. And I don't know why anybody is surprised about that. If you ask probably get other, 10 other players, they probably give you other opinions, but you're asking Jalen. You know what you're going to get when you ask Jalen about um, certain issues in the league. He's part of the players' union. Um, he's 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 been very vocal about some of his displeasure. So um, I thought it was very insightful interviews, very uh, outstanding work by the both writers, Sopan Deb and Logan Murdoch. Um, but I don't. This is not shocking, and you know, and I think that Jalen did put the organization on alert. He's up for a max. Uh, he should get the max, but you know he wants things to he wants things to continue to go smoothly in Boston, and they haven't always gone smoothly for him. 
I think there there's a lot there, obviously. I think that one thing that should be maybe a little reassuring to Celtics fans that are, you know, paranoid, because Lord, Lord knows there are, I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of texts that I have received or our text chain that Evan is on as well with some other people that follow or fans of the Celtics that, you know, it has just been alarmist, like, do you guys hear this? Do you guys read this? Like, Jalen wants out, and he wants out now, which was not at all my takeaway, by the way. I think that something that, you were just talking about that should be a little bit reassuring is, you know, Jalen's dissatisfaction with the system, the overall NBA system. I mean, that applies anywhere. That's, that's not Boston specific. That's not market specific. Now, obviously issues that he has had as a black business owner in Boston, then we get to an entirely different topic that obviously we can delve a little bit more into, but, you know, I, I think just on the surface of some of the stuff that he mentioned, I think that, there have been a lot of talking heads. There's been a lot of, you know, spewing hot takes and instant reactions to, oh, my God, he just said this. And my, I don't know, sort of prevailing takeaway, at least initially, Gary, was, one, we can't put ourselves inside Jalen Brown's head. That goes, you know, that's for But two, I don't think Jalen even necessarily knows what he wants right now, meaning if Obviously, he wants the max. He's entitled to the max. But if the Supermax, if he makes all NBA, if the Supermax does come along and the Celtics are certainly going to offer it if he is eligible for does he think so little of either Boston proper or the organization or playing second fiddle to Jason Tatum or having been in trade rumors or any number of things that, that are certainly on his side for any element of dissatisfaction, does that outweigh the money? Or does the money ultimately say, yeah, I'm going to resign. Maybe at some point down the line, I ask for a trade. That's not uncommon in the NBA. But at least initially, when that money is offered, of course I'm going to re-up. Or I would think I'm going to re-up. I'm not entirely sure, especially if he doesn't make all NBA, and then that money is 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 significantly less, $40 million less or whatever it is, then maybe there's there's a little bit more internal confusion on his part. But I don't think he necessarily is smart and insightful as he is you know I, I just don't think right now in this moment he knows what he's going to want x number of months from now yeah i think it's a it's i think it's a wait and see kind of situation you know we're talking about after next year and we're talking about you know Jalen's happiness the, the thing that i've said before is that this is not a situation where Jalen, okay Jalen's a kid from atlanta like he's pining to play for the Hawks. Like he wants to go home. Or I said it on a podcast before, like Jason Tatum's from St. Louis. If there was an NBA team in St. Louis, I'm sure Jason would want to finish his career. Now let's say he would do it, but he definitely would want to finish his career or play for the his hometown team. He's a St. Louis kid. Jalen, not necessarily. I don't know a team or a place that's like, oh, this is utopia for for Jalen. Like mm. You know, he really is into the weather. He's really into, I mean, he's a kid from Atlanta that went to Cal. Okay. Um, that, so he's used to different environments. Okay. He's used to, to being conducive and, and work, making it work. So I don't think there's like this target team or Jay or Jalen is planning his exit or he's planning, you know, uh, to, to leave. I just think he wants things. He wants to put the organization on alert that. There's things going on. We're not saying currently. It's not like this upheaval or strife in the organization. Uh, I think that things have happened that he hasn't been necessarily a fan of. 
And I think he's taken some things personally. Maybe it maybe he shouldn't have. Uh, you know, the the criticism he got. I mean, we're going back to draft night where never explained this. Okay. I'm I'm a cow guy. Okay. I knew who Jalen Brown was. Watched him his whole freshman year. Knew he was a top five pick. But in Boston, nobody knew who he was. Nobody cares here about college sports. I've remarked Jalen could have played at Boston College and in, in 90% of the Celtic fans would have never seen him play. Like mm-hmm. there's just no interest in unfortunately in Boston in college sports. Like there just isn't. So in terms of like the dra- draft night, people had seen or heard of Chris Dunn in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, he's played at Providence. He's a point guard. The Celtics needed a point guard then. Who knew that the Marcus Smart thing was going to work out? You know, and Marcus would be the point guard. But back then, that was the thing. They should take Chris Dunn. Obviously, it was a great decision not to take Chris Dunn and take Jalen Brown. And I don't remember them booing. I remember them just having like a who. Who the hell is this guy? Mm-hmm. They don't watch the Pac-12 network. They didn't see him play at Cal. So I think there was this kind of like, why the hell would you take, who is this guy from what, where is Cal? What is school is that? Is that UCLA or something? Like, so I think from then on, he has take, had played with a chip on his shoulder. You know, he played on a chip on his shoulder when Brett, when Gordon Hayward came back from injury and immediately started over him. And there was a perception that Gordon was getting favored to and, and Jalen's not the only one who thought that. Galen's not the only one who thought that get, that Gordon got 30 chances to succeed in Boston. The Celtics wanted to make this damn thing work. And what happened? It didn't work. Then he still spurns them and signs with Charlotte. Hasn't worked out for him in Charlotte, besides getting money. So it, did, it didn't turn out well for anybody, for Gordon Hayward uh, in Boston. So I think Jalen takes that. He takes the... Criticism he got from not immediately denouncing Kanye West for having support for Kyrie Irving and saying, listen, like, you know, he did. There's no rules that say social media activity should lead to suspension. We've had two cases this year where that's happened with Kanye, sorry, Kyrie, and now John Morant, where John Morant's Instagram post led to a suspension. Okay, so that's something that's going to be a wrinkle included, I'm sure, in the new CBA, but it wasn't in the CBA. So Jalen, being a member of the CBA, was like, listen, like, now we're getting suspended for retweets? Uh, now we're, you know, that 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 he didn't say anything, he just retweeted it? So he has questions about that. He got a lot of flack for supporting Kyrie. He got a lot of flack for, you know, um, not den- immediately denouncing Kanye West when I talked to him in Chicago a few months ago. So he has, I think, internalized some of that. And some of that's a personal thing, guys. He has a chip on his shoulder. He feels like no one believes in him. Remember, when he came out, everybody said he couldn't shoot. He's a 30% three-point shooter at Cal. He's proven to be a very good three-point shooter. Not, a, you know, Steph Curry-like, but he's had a couple of seven, eight, three-pointer games. He can he can shoot the ball. He, that's, he still remembers people telling him he couldn't shoot. So that's a lot of this is chip on his shoulder. 
a lot of this is certain things that I'm sure he notices, like they suddenly make Jason and they introduce him last in the starting lineup all the time. Why is that? Could you not mix Jalen in every now and then and give him a, and, you know, fine, you know, from Cal, you can't, you know, you couldn't mm-hmm. mix Jalen in there once or twice. Like it's always got to be Jason. And I'm not saying it's wrong. Jason's yeah. the star of the team, but that's something Jalen notices. He notices when the last week in Houston, Jason was not good, got the last play called for him, missed the layup. In Utah, did not score in the second half, missed two really bad shots, and still had the last play called for him and never even moved to get the ball. And Jalen had 43 against Houston, but didn't get the last shot, had 25, including a, a late three against Utah, didn't touch the ball in the last play. So I'm not saying Jalen's all he wants out, like you said. I don't think that's it. But I think these are things that he notices. He want, And it's not an issue with Jason. I think him and Jason are great. Him and Jason get along well. I think he just wants as much respect as he perceives that Jason gets. And in, internally in the organization, does that happen? Are these little things that bother him? We don't know. The intro, the intro thing, you know, I'm not saying that's a big deal, but you know, it does show that Jason is the man, right? I mean, that is when when you get introduced last, you're the best player, and Jason has proven to be better than Jalen, not considerably, not by leaps and bounds, but he's been considered the better player, right? We yeah. all would agree with that. So Jalen is probably shooting for that, striving for that. And it wants that respect that comes along with being a two-time all-star, with being a guy who can carry a team to, that can play defense, that can do all the things that he can do. So I think he's just kind of like feeling that chip on his shoulder, unfortunately. Uh, and it probably reflected in, you know, that those interviews where he some of that stuff came out. I'll just add the only thing you left out reported trade rumors for KD, AD, and Kawhi over the years yeah. as well. Yeah, and the, the thing exactly. is, they you know they eventually never pulled the trigger for any of those guys. But again, again, being mentioned all the time isn't fun. I have Kaufman. I have two quick, just back to back questions here mm-hmm. about Jalen. Um, first off, Gary, in your experience with uh, different tenures of Boston Celtic ownership and and, and leadership and everything. One of the things that Jalen talked about in the Murdoch article was about feeling the love like on the court, as you just talked about, but off the court as well. And in a lot of his businesses and his charity work. And I don't know, you know, down to, you know, the, the nitty gritty, how much the Celtics do with his, you know, foundational work and his, his juice business and all that stuff. Do you feel like the Celtics front office, the ownership group? And I know, cause I know the players do, the players are, Whenever J- Jason or whenever Jalen has a pop-up event, it seems like a lot of them are there trying to go and support him as teammates. Do you feel like the Celtics front office and the Celtics ownership do enough to show Jalen the fu- the love of, like, we want you here, we want to help you grow your brand here? Do you feel like they do enough for him? Yeah, it all depends on which, like, is it is it coming out and supporting? Um, I don't know, like, his event, he had an event at Museum of Fine Arts, you know, Joe Mazzula showed up. Uh, assistant coaches showed up. Uh, uh, all the players showed up. Um, 
you know, so I, I think that I think that that's a that that's significant. Now, is he looking for Wick to be there? Is he looking for Pags to be there? Like, I don't know if that's something that that he feels like is slighted. Um, but I do know he does a lot of the obviously the Jews situation, Jews Foundation, and he does kind of things on his own. Um, maybe that, that might be separate from the team, but the team still supports it. So I don't know if Jalen is looking like, hey man, I did this thing and Wick didn't show up. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. And I, I don't know why the ownership wouldn't support some of his endeavors either. I don't think that that's something that they would send a message to him. Well, if Jason did it, I'd come like, no, I don't think it's a, it's, it's, it's something to that effect. Uh, you know, Marcus Smart's done things locally at the bowling tournaments and things like that. Uh, so I think a lot of these guys have their, you know, Grant Williams, as we've seen, has, has done a lot of things. So, uh, I don't know if, if Jalen is like looking for Wick and those guys, the brass, Rich Gotham to, to be there. And, and if he, if they're not there, he feels, he doesn't feel supported. Now, this is something where, and hypothetically, he's approached the Celtics for, maybe support and they haven't given as much. I don't know. I don't, you know, that, that would be something that I think some of these things, honestly, guys, we're going to, you know, it's going to take like more examples from Jalen, like, you know, the housing situation, the business, like what, what do you mean Jalen has, have you been blocked from buying a house in a certain neighborhood or discouraged not to, or did you try to open a business, a small business or uh, did you try to do an event somewhere and you were told uh, you were rejected? What specifically are you talking about? Because I hate to have hypothetical situations where we're coming up with like, well, Wick blew Jalen off at an event, like, or Wick didn't offer his support. Like, we have no idea, you know, that, because it's not like every time I go to community events with the stuff, I see an owner there. I don't, you know, those guys get... I mean, Wick lives. Live, Wick lives most some of the time in New York. So, uh, you know, there, there, there are things that you know. Uh, but Wick went to uh, Kendrick Perkins's book signing in New York. So, you know, I, you know, I, I do think that they, they support it. I don't know if Jalen 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 feels like the, the organization just doesn't care about his endeavors off the floor. Right. Last one here in terms of like what I have on Jalen. I am, I live in the Berkshires. I am far away from, from Boston. Um, so I, I don't know everything that little interesting is in terms of what happens in Boston, but I would say, I think it's pretty important that Jalen Brown with his platform as a person of color, you know, speaks his mind about things that affect people of color in Boston. In your opinion, Gary, how vital is Jalen's as Jalen's voice in the city of Boston is from where I'm sitting. Again, I could be wrong about this and I'm fairly willing to say I'm completely wrong. I would say Jalen is arguably one of the highest profile people of color in Boston. Who's willing to talk about some of the issues that continue to not plague, but be problematic in the city. So with all of that kind of going on, if I'm and I'm not an owner of the Celtics, I have no stake in the Celtics. I would think it's pretty important to have someone like Jalen Brown represent our team in the city of Boston, where people of color have had harder times securing all these, you know, whether it's a housing loan or visit, whatever. I think it's super important that Jalen is there to advocate for the people of color that have had issues. 
So again, my question comes back to how vital is Jalen's voice in the city of Boston today? I think it's very important, um, Evan, for him, but I also think he understands and notices what goes on around him. He looks at the lack of people of color that cover the team. That's just honest. Like, I think he looks at, we've had two incidents with sports talk radio in the last two months with racist uh, terms. Both gentlemen have been suspended and will be right back doing, one is back doing what he usually does, and the other will be back next week. And there's no cry for diversity. There's no cry for anything, any other change besides, wow, well, you know, it was a mistake. Sorry, it was a, like, like I think Jalen notices things like that. Some guys don't. Some guys don't know. They don't care about the demographics because, as I mentioned earlier, you're 75% black league, right? And K- Kendrick Perkins brought this up with the MVP voting. And you have mostly white men making the MVP vote. Now, are they are they supporting the white guy running in Jokic? I mean, now I'm not going to say that. I don't think that's I don't necessarily think that's the case, right? But it is interesting that you have a 75% black league and a 85% white male voting for the MVP. I think Jalen knows his things like that. I think that he looks in the, he goes and looks in the locker room and sees only me or maybe Sherrod walking around and thinks, wow, you know, and there's teams in the NBA that they have no reporters of color, no women reporters, just a bunch of white guys. And people think that's normal. And in Boston, sports talk radio is the most racist aspect of this, of our city. It is, it is. There's no women of color. There's no very few women. Uh, the only, the only people of color on the air are former, you gotta be a former Patriot or former Red Sox to, to get up, to get a shot. Other than that, nah, your expertise is not needed here, but you get guys who come out the woodwork or a guy who gets fired in one place in one station and two months later gets hired by the other station. It's like, so what are people supposed to think? You know, because let's be honest, like, just like as a black man, I feel like I represent my race in everything I do, especially when I go to the arena. That's why I dress a certain way, I act a certain way. When I go to the arena, white men out here, many cases, represent the city of Boston. So when some guy EI makes a dumbass statement, remark, it reflects on all the white guys in Boston. That's how all y'all are. Now, I'm not saying that's the case, but that's where people think out on the outside. Because I get questions. How could you live there? Why do you live there? What's wrong with that city? How is that so matter of fact that people say those things? And then if they say them, how come they work a week later? You know, how come they're right back on the job? Still trying to be funny. The problem is, guys, off the topic, not all you motherfuckers are funny. Not you, period, but you people, anybody, not everybody. You got to know when you're funny and you know when you're not and stay in that lane. Some of these dudes are really trying to be funny. They're not funny. Stop trying to be funny. And then when you get funny, stop going to racial jokes or stop just stop that. Have a your radar inside to say, stop doing, stop trying to be funny. If you have to force it like that, then you probably shouldn't be on the air. And oh, the, yeah, right. one of the... And that's the thing, and, and like, Jay, that's what, it, it, you know, and, and Jalen, 
notices this. Yeah, a lot of guys, guys in the past, Ray Allen, you would look, they would, he would look in the locker room like, damn, like how come, how come, like you, a lot of black people cover the league, but we're like seventy five percent black. When I see seventy five percent whites covering major league or blacks covering major league baseball, then I think it's fair. It's not. When I see like uh, four black guys having a show on Major League Baseball and no one says a word, I'll be. I think that's fair, but it's not. It doesn't happen. You had well, you, you had that show on NBA TV, The Starters, mm. or wacky white guys talking NBA. Like really, like you know, and, and but I want to see more diversity. Jalen understands that. Not all athletes do. Not all athletes notice. Some of us were just all one. I don't care what you are. You know, you're just a reporter. Black, white, green, woman, man, whatever you are. So to me, you know, Jalen notices those things. And incidents like this happen this week does not help the the perception of the city. It just doesn't. Especially when the repercussions are, I'm suspended for a week, but I'll be back. See you next Thursday. Yeah, and, he, and, it, and nothing's going to deter him from doing anything like that ever again. No, the slap it's not. on the wrist. What's the point? But my again, back to my. I just think with Jalen, with Jalen, Jalen, because of his high profile status, as much as I love Jason Tatum, this is not as you said, stay in your lane. It doesn't feel like Tatum's lane at all. Tatum, no, and he, does, he understands basketball. that. Yeah, he understands that. Yeah, he's focused. Tatum speaks on, on, on what he knows, right. which is I respect Jason for that. Right. Like Jason, Jason, I'm sure Phil's has, I mean, he's spoken on being a kid in St. Louis when Michael Brown was murdered and he has had certain things he said, but he will not go beyond what he knows or what he's comfortable with. He is not trying to be an activist if he doesn't. And I respect that. Like, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, very knowledgeable. Jalen, very knowledgeable. Other players, they have different focuses. Jason's about his family. Jason's about having fun, playing ball, um, learning how to golf, like enjoying the NBA life. His perspective is different, and that's fine. You know, Jalen's perspective is all all serious, all like, you know, I ain't playing here. We ain't playing no games here. That's Jalen. You don't see Jalen smile as much as, as other guys. You don't, you, we really don't know what makes Jalen happy. Is it winning? Is it playing ball? I think he enjoys playing ball, but I think he's const, his, his mind is constantly working. How happy should I be in this system? How happy should I be when I see my people on the street suffering or I see a 12 year old kid in Dorchester get shot by a drug dealer for nothing? Like, how happy should I be? And he thinks about things like that. Some athletes don't, and I get it. You know, all all these athletes are not going to be Arthur Ashe, or, or it's just not. That's fine. I don't, you know, you know. But Jalen is a special one, and he and I think he looks at guys like Arthur Ashe and Bill Russell, Muhammad Ali, and sees those guys as role models. Not only for sorry for for, for their off court work. I don't know if I've said this to you before, Gary, Evan and I have spoken about it frequently, though, over the years. In the five years that I have been associated with and hosted the show, one of the most, I don't know if enjoyable would be the right word because it was a very serious topic, but one of the most interesting conversations on this show and one of the best shows that I think that we have done was when you came on with us early in COVID and we were talking about 
the NBA and the reaction to Black Lives Matter, social justice movement, a lot of obviously the racial components of things that were happening in and around the league opposite COVID at that same time. And I think this conversation in many ways, you know, it dovetails into a lot of the same issues, obviously. And and certainly that, you know, something that Evan and I can't speak to would never even try or pretend to be able to speak to. You were just sort of alluding to in part, but when Jalen comes out and says some of the things that he has about, you know, being a person of color in Boston and trying to, you know, be a, a business owner and and buy here, buy there, you know, stand up for whatever it may be, obviously, specific to this city. You've been here a long time. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, I, I, I would like if if I were thinking about it, I would think, look, r- racism is a problem worldwide. It's not like it's a it's a Boston problem this is a problem everywhere. And I think Jalen, obviously, is smart enough to know that whether he stays in Boston or whether he goes and plays somewhere else, racism is going to just be something that unfortunately for a period of time, hopefully not forever, exists. What I'm wondering is, is Boston not Boston before? We all know what Boston was, but is Boston now worse than everywhere else? Is it? as bad here as anywhere else or is Jalen should he elect to leave Boston and go play somewhere else for reasons that may be totally just about the organization and playing second fiddle Jason having nothing to do with anything else about Boston the city would he be likely to experience the same thing elsewhere well it's a tough question well, it was a good question uh I think there's certain cities that are more like open and 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 fun in terms of you know, Boston's Bostonians take their pro sports very seriously. It's like a lot like Boston and Philadelphia are a lot alike. Like there's a lot of people who take their pro sports seriously. Um, and people ask me a lot, being born and raised in Los Angeles. Okay. Growing up watching my images of Boston was the bus busing riots and the Boston garden all white fans watching Bird and, you know, and, you know, I, we all knew that, Max, you know, I always have this conversation with Max, Max and ML Carr and, uh, you know, Parrish and guys like that. They had black players, but it was basically considered a white team. Now, that's a stereotype. What's the case? Because Casey Jones was a freaking black coach in the 1980s when the NBA didn't hire a lot of black coaches in the 1980s. You know, they, they had to be – you had to be Lenny Wilkins. You had to be these, you know, you had to be a legendary player to get that shot. So Casey Jones is a pioneer. So people kind of ignore those things. But uh, people ask me, well, what's it like there? And I've never been called out of my name here, but I will say that I think there are people here who are born here in some of the working class areas, raised here, and they're going to die here. Okay. And they're not happy about that. And that affects their disposition. And I think that that affects their, 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 you know, their resentment for certain people. And, you know, uh, and we, we, we're in a league now in the NBA where there's not a lot of great white players, right? Um, in terms of, especially white Americans, there's a lot of Euro, you know, obviously Jokic and, you know, Luca, great, great players. And I'm saying, but it's not the, the bird, the birds years are over. Right. So I think that is there more resentment from 
these people toward rich black men than there would be rich white men? I don't, I think that's a good question. I think that's probably how Jalen perceives it, that there's more resentment and they're harder. And I think he said some or a portion of Celtic fans. I think there are a lot of amazing, great Celtic fans, supportive of their team, love the, you know, all the emails I got about Jalen and his lack of denouncement of Kanye West and his support of Kyrie, when I noticed when he got back on the floor at the garden, he got ovations. It wasn't people yelling and screaming expletives and things like that, right? So I I think there's a lot of amazing, 90% of amazing Celtic fans. But as I said, then there's like that 10%, the kid who threw the bottle at Kyrie, uh, the guy on the sports talk radio. There's people that get perceived and thrown into a box of that's how all your Bostonians are. It's not fair. Not saying it's fair. Life ain't fair, though. So uh, are there more cities where Jalen probably wouldn't get as much flack? Of course. Um, but do they take their, you know, you want to play in Charlotte? You want to play in, you know, you want to play in a city that doesn't really care, but, you know, it's it's nice and, and you know, and you can play ball. Like, this is, people like winning here because it's the greatest place for which to win. I mean, the, the 08 team still gets talked about for 15 years. <laughs> Some kid in the ninth grade was not born when the Celtics won the last championship. He doesn't remember that, or she doesn't remember that, or they don't remember that. You know, that's how long it's been, 08. It seems like yesterday, but I'd like to be 15 years younger. I'm sure all of us would if we could go back and know what we know now and be 15 years younger. But the, the fact is that that the, that team is still revered, you know? And, and I think that that's the, that's the whole flip side of this, guys. The Celtics, how much they celebrate their and beloved their, their legends how much they bring back. Those players noticed, have noticed over the years, the reuniting of the 60s teams. They noticed those guys and how much love they get and how the team puts them up in a nice hotel and feeds them and their family. Like, they, they notice all that. They they were there. They watched KG get his number retired. They're like, that. I want that, I want that here. I want to walk onto the floor and everybody just give me a stand, you know, and I'm people crying in the stands. I want that. So that's the flip side of this. That's the great part of Boston. That's the great part of always to, to, of being a legend. I said on a podcast, Logan Murgas podcast, you know, freaking Dave Roberts is revered for still in, still in a freaking base. One base. One yeah. base. Legend forever. Legend forever. One base. You want to look at the flip side too? And it's race doesn't have anything to do with it. Look at the poor story of Bill Buckner. It took twenty, what twenty years for him to come back to Fidway. Mm-hmm. I mean, twenty. That was years. touching. That was a touching moment too. Yeah, like when he. I mean, and and to to forgive him and they for twenty years and them winning. Yes, after they won the the World Thanks. Series, they're like, okay, Bill, we only had to wait eighteen more years. We forgive you, and he was that was hurt, and that and Bill's. Yeah. God bless him. He passed away. And, you know, I hope that didn't prematurely end his, all that stress and all that, like watching that play constantly and watching Mookie Wilson score. I mean, um, sorry, Ray Knight score and Mookie Wilson ground off. Like to me, that's the flip side. But I think guys look at Boston and they think this is a special city. 
And I want this to be special for me. Like, I think that's what Jalen's thinking. I want to be one of those dudes walking into the arena and getting standing O's for winning championships. I want to be revered here. Because if you're revered here, it's like, well, you, know, you can revere it everywhere. Like, this is, there's no tougher city. There's no better city to be loved than Boston. It isn't. Look at you Ortiz. Know, so- I mean, look at these guys. Like, yeah. they just, you know, like, look, look what happened. Look at Jerry Remy. I mean, Jerry Remy, great Jerry Remy. I mean, you know, yeah. just that appreciation for being, for being just, for putting on that green or putting on that Red Sox uniform or, the Bruins or the Patriots. These guys look, are adored. Look at Scal. Oh God. It's a whole other, <laughs> yeah, right. it's a whole other category. Yeah. You know what um, though? If, but I like it, you know what where I won't give Red Sox fans, and I am one by the way, where I won't give Red Sox fans or or Boston credit with respect to the the Bill Buckner thing. If we were sitting on one hundred however many years still without a championship, if those, you know, four hadn't hadn't happened in the last twenty years. Bill Buckner still wouldn't be welcome back here. Yeah, <laughs> people would, people right. would still be on that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's w- winning is what softens stuff. Yeah, totally. But I, I mean, he tried. It's, it's, it, the whole situation was terrible, but yeah, you know, uh, and I said, I was a, you know, grew up a Dodger fan where Buckner played for the Dodgers. He was a Dodger prospect, but then he started, then he went to the, to the, to the Cubs. Yeah. And finally, and then to the Sox and whatever, but. Um, so I, I think that there's such a, so many layers to this story. And I think Jalen and Jason, they look, I said, they, they went to, they saw Pierce get his number retired. They saw Garnett. Yeah. They want that. They know how they want that. They know how special it is to, to win here. You don't think they watch all these 08 tributes and all these 08 specials and all these, you know, and, and, and said, damn. And they just won one freaking Yeah, I was going to say, they just won once. One. <laughs> it was only one time. God forbid if they had won in 2010. Oh, I, was, I, mean, I was going to say, like, I, I can't, and I, I love it. I love that team. I love that era. I love all the players, all of it. And like, I love it because I'm, I'm incredibly biased, obviously, but I can't, I would be hard pressed, Gary. And I've said this so many times to come up with a team that has lived off one championship more oh, than the yeah. O-Ace. I'm oh, like, yeah. like, does anyone say anything about the, like, 4 Pistons? No. <laughs> ever, I mean, I'm sure in Detroit, they'll, you know, they're revered, but... Yeah. Not like here. Not like, not like here. And so I think those guys understand that. That's the whole trick to this thing, guys. Like, Jalen wants this to work. Because there ain't no... He, he's not going to get well... He's not going to get the love in Charlotte or Memphis or Dallas, like, it's Boston, and maybe the Lakers, where those guys walk and they're just immortalized. That's the lure here of playing here. In addition to wearing the green and the tradition and the records and and being that guy that wants to, you know, I want to, you know, Jason has a chance to to lead the, break the season record for scoring average. You know, they see that. I mean, Isaiah Thomas can walk into the garden and still get a standing O. For sure. Two and a half years. That was just two and a half years. And he played his ass. I mean, I feel so bad for Isaiah. I I just, I can't feel any worse for a guy than Isaiah not be able to go out like he wanted to. Two and a half years, he gave his his heart and his blood and his damn hip to the Celtics. And teeth. teeth. (laughs) I forgot the teeth. Yes. Yeah. Teeth knocked out. Man was in a dental chair before a playoff. Yeah, game. right. It's, it gave his heart to his franchise. Yeah. You know, um, 
and still will get love when he comes back. Still, I mean, yeah. So I, those guys notice that they they want to be part of that. They know how special it is to win in Boston. And they, that's why I think part of the reasons why they felt so bad about losing in the finals last year, and they want to mm-hmm. get one, not only for their own resume, but they want to be immortalized too. It's funny, you you know, I've never, there's always been, like in, in my thought process of, of thinking about where I'm going with this, I've, there's always been something missing and I've never really known what it was. And you've, you've now just through talking about this, you've helped me connect these dots. So there have been, I mean, one of the common conversations as, as we all know, in in pro sports but maybe the nba more than anywhere else in recent years has been how much are these players historians of the league how much do they really care like what does it mean coming to boston the you know 17 banners like do players today really give a crap about a team's history and and you know russell and bird and all these guys and what they did you know what they did decades before they were even born and a lot of people would argue, like, no, the modern day player doesn't care. They care about the money. They care about endorsements. They care about weather and free agency or what, you know, all this different stuff. But you hit it. What, what does resonate with today's player? It's not how many times the, you know, all these guys, Russell Bird and Parrish and McHale and all, how many championships they have or how many banners Boston has up in the rafters at the garden like that that isn't really what matters around here to the modern day player i don't think i'm not one i'm guessing that is not what matters but what absolutely does matter what absolutely connects through all those generations all those dots is how you are treated after you win that is the part that makes boston and like you said maybe la unique more than anywhere else Mm -hmm. that is that is where the history in this city does come into play that's that's where the history hits all of these players today where you're just you know you're you look up the banners and you're like yeah i want one of those or i want my number retired but like who doesn't that's you know players in any city feel that way but players in any city are not treated the way you're treated after you win here that's the difference totally i mean and you look at the i said and how how like i look at eddie house calling celtics we i mean he played with several different teams but identifies as a celtic you know what I'm saying? Like all those guys identify Perk. Perk's a Celtic. He finished with the he played with the Thunder and the Cavs and played with the Pelicans and all. Perk's a Celtic. And that's how he identifies. And I think there's that pride that those guys do have in the organization and in, in themselves and in, in pride for playing this for the city of Boston, playing in a place that's not easy to play. You want to say you want to play you want to play your whole career in Charlotte? You want to play where you know half the fans are rooting for the other team. There's mm-hmm. no pressure to win cuz no one cares cuz everybody's waiting for Duke to play. Like you want to do that? You want to play in Atlanta where everybody's just ready to go to the party or ready to hang out after the game and it's just a social event? Like you want to play where the fans adore and love and and there's no place like Boston. I said I've been in all these different arenas. I grew up a Lakers fan. Like, there's nothing like it. And that's the flip side of what Jalen is saying about the treatment here is, damn it, I want what those guys have. How do I get that? How do I retire and get number seven lifted and come back and, 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 and you know, in reunions and get standing O's and, you know, whatever? Like, I, I love that stuff. That's what they're saying. 
They love that stuff. And that's the lure of playing here. Do you still root for the Lakers? No. Do you root no, for anyone? No, no. I saw a lot of friends are Laker fans. Uh, I, I root for my L.A. Kings. Um, we actually have a good year this year. And yeah. the Dodgers, which, you know. Yeah, I know you're a Dodgers guy. They're, they're saving up their money for Otani, so. Everybody <laughs> is. Know, yeah, Everybody that, is. that'll be. I mean, what five hundred? He'll make. He'll get five hundred million. Yeah, five six hundred million. Yeah, six hundred. Because who's a pot? Who's the highest paid player now? Oh man, it was Trout. It was Trout. Trout. Bryce Harper was there. Betts Harper, Mookie, Mookie got a, a good contract. Yeah. Was it? Is it? Uh, is, is it one it of the uh, pitchers? Maybe it might be one of the pitchers. Like in terms of average annual value, it might be like Scherzer or Verlander or something like that. Somebody Steve Cohen just paid. So there's sure. nobody who's making. Well, Judge got nine for three sixty. Yeah, but I I think in terms of average annual value, uh, Otani is going to just break everything. Yeah, Scherzer got forty three last year. Yeah, uh, or, I think for this coming year, I think. Yeah. Cohen doesn't have any problems paying anybody any money, any amount of money. So crazy. he's just oh. he's just going nuts. Yeah, and yeah. it's either it's either somebody on the on the Mets or someone on the Padres because the Padres yeah, just yeah. paid a bunch of people too. So I mean, it's, that's just the way it is. Two hundred eighty for Xander. That's crazy. But right. eleven years too. Yeah. Wow. Good for him though. Good for, oh, great for, him. for Xander. Great for him. I'm pumped. You yeah, me? largest largest contract in MLB history. Trout twelve for four twenty six and a half. Okay, yeah, so uh, that's five hundred million. Yeah, yeah, not the highest AAV, but obviously the yeah most money most dollars. Yeah, in six hundred. Yeah, no so question. Joe, I don't, I don't root for the Laker. You know, like I said, I have friends, family, the Laker fans. Yeah, uh, you know, if they're but happy, do you root, happy, but do you but, root for the Celtics? Like, do you, you no. do you root with? So it's it's like pure. I mean, maybe you root for the team, like for the purposes of the job. Like the job's better when the team's good. I, yeah, I don't the know. players are easier to deal with when they're winning. Yeah, I've always said this. The players are easier to deal with when they're winning. But, but you are not a fan. No, but they're no can't be a fan. You can't be a journalist and then be we and and us and all. No way. No way. Yeah. And I know that's that line that gets really blurred nowadays in today's well, journalism. Yeah, especially now, yeah. Yeah. So that people are literally rooting for the teams that they cover. But no, I was taught, nope, you don't root for the team. Now are the Celtics. It probably makes it easy when you grow up hating them too. Yeah, but but I appreciate them. You know what I'm saying? Like when I got here and I met Tommy Heinsohn for the first time, and I had a lot of family members that didn't like Tommy because they thought he was a biased announcer because obviously he was a former Celtic player and coach, and he's doing the finals with the Celtics in it, right? And and, and he, Tommy couldn't have been a nicer guy. Cedric Maxwell, when you meet all these people, and then you learn the tradition, you learn the organization, you definitely grow appreciation for it. You know, when you get to talk to guys who have since passed on, like Bill Russell, and I, you know, and I, and I had good conversation with John Havlicek and those guys, and you're just like, wow, this this is some serious history. Like the Lakers have the history of Matt, more current, like you know, Magic and Kareem and those Worthy and those guys, but the Celtics have the Koo, when with Koozie and and those guys who are just legends. You learn to appreciate the the um the tradition of the organization. So it's just being on a different side, but. No, I, as I said, the teams are the players are better to deal with them when they're winning. Mm. As you know, 
there's more better stories and more drama and good stuff to write when they're losing. <laughs> Look at the yeah. chicken and beer Red oh, yeah. Yeah, especially saying? the city of Boston thrives yes. off negativity like right. any other. I've never seen anything like the like um, some of this. And I don't. I like. I have actually cut some of the talk radio like out of my life. Like I'm muting and blocking their accounts because I just don't need to deal with the negativity. But it feels <laughs> like Boston, Gary, more than any other city that I kind of follow on the periphery or follow like kind of closely, thrives off negative attention in media it drives like it i and it drives me absolutely nuts that and like you must experience this a million times more than i do because of your following uh you know being being a guy that's covered this Celtics so long like it almost feels like fans enjoy it more when the celtics lose than when they win because they can complain about things like <laughs> if, when the seas drop like four games in a row or three out of four or four out of five People are more inclined to have conversations about the Celtics versus like talking about them when they're 21 and five and breaking records for the most efficient offense in the history of the league. Like right now, because Boston has been in a little bit of a tailspin, and I'm not even a tailspin, like they're going through some of the tough times that come with playing an 82 game season, but more people, I think just enjoy having conversation about the negativity. I mean, Adam, our group chats are just like this. People yeah. enjoy oh, thriving awful. off the of negativity <laughs> versus talking about like, hey, Jalen Brown had 43 the other night, and, and it looks like, from my perspective, he's starting to add a little more creation to his game. Like, I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, but Jalen is becoming a much better passer, a much better reader of things happening on the floor as Tatum has slid a little bit. Jalen has really stepped up, not just as a scorer, but as a facilitator. More people are more more willing to talk about how Boston isn't lighting the world on fire and they're taking too many threes. Like, if you do you know any other city that thrives off this kind of negativity? Well, evidently it's human nature. I think people will rather say something negative than positive. I think even us, when we go somewhere and have a positive experience at a uh, store, a good, good, great customer service, uh, we'll say, oh, I'm going to give you a good recommendation. We might forget, but let that person like short changes or make a remark. We're going to go. Where's your manager right now? You're, I like, work in retail, Gary. You're yes. speaking my language right now, bro. The negative is more, we're more inclined to be negative. And for me, um, I, you know, like I get a lot of flack for, for quote unquote being negative on the Celtics because um, I'm not. I think they they think I should be a fan, and maybe other reporters are fans. I'm not a fan, um, and and I'm just I'm assessing how I want my team to be covered. Uh, you know, if I write, if I want, if I if I follow my team, if I I'm a UC Berkeley Cal grad, I want all the not negative, but I want the real deal on how my team is covered. I don't want to hear only good stuff. I want if they lost, I'm not gonna. I don't want to hear. We'll get them next time. I want to hear why the hell they lost, who messed up, what the accountability. I want my t- team fairly assessed when I'm following my team. I don't want only. I'm not going to accuse a writer of being negative. I want to know if they lost, why the hell they lost, who's at blame, and I think some Celtic fans only want to hear good stuff. And it's like you said, Evan. But or if they if it's negative, they want to take on Tatum. Tatum sucks. We should trade him. I got an email the other day that this guy said he would trade Tatum straight up for Rudy Gobert. Like, <laughs> like true, true email. Stop. 
Do you even <laughs> respond to that one? No, no do not. not respond. Do not. But <laughs> someone <laughs> said, emailed me and said they would rather they would take straight up take Rudy Gobert straight up for Tatum. Like true, true story. I'm a glutton for punishment. I'd ask for the reason. I mean, to <laughs> me, outline it. Give me the yeah, details. That's it's that's funny, but it's like that's what you know. I think that people one are more inclined to be negative, but two, there's some fans, and I'm, I'm sure other teams, but Celtic fans that won't only want the positive side, but they don't want to hear the truth about the team. When I reported about that fight in the bubble, I got people telling me I didn't see that. That's not what happened. Like you, I was there. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't want to, like, it's not fun to report this, but it's something that had to be reported. I was right there in a bubble. People were literally arguing with me about that. Fans, that's not what happened. You're exaggerating. No, not exaggerating. Nope. Cause I'm not in person going to exaggerate. I'm not like, I've been around too long. I'm not that this, what am I doing that for? I'm not going to sensationalize. I'm not, I'm not national inquirer here. I'm going to tell it like it is. And I think that certain fans want it that way, but most fans want only the, the positive spin or the negative spin where, like you said, that they can talk all day and rip the team. Missoula sucks. We want Ime back. Um, where's Tatum? Tatum's only about his number. Like all, everybody gets it. That's the thing about Jalen. Everybody gets it. I mean, some stuff Marcus has gotten over the years. Oh, yeah. Average, oh, my average my Al Horford. That was always ridiculous. Robert Williams can't stay on the floor. Um, you know, like all of, all of them have gotten dressed down yeah. by fans. It's just is what it is. And I guess the only thing that will appease them is championship. I'll That's ask right. you one, one, one more thing and we'll let you go because we've been at it for a while. And for anyone listening to the show for the first time, if, if you are, uh, generally we do talk more basketball, but obviously some things are bigger than basketball, most especially this, uh, whole conversation, which has been really, really good. I've enjoyed it surrounding Jalen Brown. I'm going to ask you one, uh, one totally unrelated thing going back to the fact that, uh, maybe not now, but at least you grew up as a Lakers fan. And obviously now you are someone who, uh, has for many, many years covered the NBA on, on not just a Boston, but a national basis. Uh, do, uh, do you believe that the Lakers and Celtics have the same number of championships? And I asked that meaning should, should, should Minneapolis count? I guess it should. I need it. Let me, I forgot like when all of a sudden Minneapolis is really incorporated into the Lakers scheme because it's not like Mikan's number was retired in, in 76. It was right. retired. Like in '97 or something, when right, like you know, like they decided, like, no, we'll we'll take your five titles, though. Yeah, we'll take your five titles, and we'll take like the best player who pl- ever played uh, for your franchise, and we'll retire his number because let's face it, no one's going to wear '99 anyway, except maybe Jay Crowder, and 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 so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, it, it it's technical. I would say it's technical. The whole Minneapolis <laughs> Lakers thing. Because people don't, a lot of people don't really know that they even played there. Um, they don't, they didn't really embrace the, the history in Minneapolis. Uh, in my years of, of following the Lakers as a fan and even as in the nineties, when I was a young reporter, it wasn't like they were having like Minneapolis Laker reunions. You know, you knew Mikan, right? Mikan yeah. was a larger than life person. He was the first real dominant big man in, in the, in the, in the league, even before Russell and before Wilt. Uh, 
you know, and they've had other, the, Minneapolis has had other many great players, but the players that I remember first were, were West and Baylor in terms of not personal memory, but Laker legends that the Lakers said, these are our legends, like mm-hmm. Celtics with Kuzi and Russell. The first two guys I remember the same Lakers saying, these are our legends is West and Baylor. And, um, so yeah, I mean, that's a technical question. I'm not going to like, you know, like, should the Timberwolves put those five titles up? You know, Adam, should they claim them? I mean, like, like who should claim them? I mean, I guess it like somebody has to, right? But But yeah, if I, I, like all that, all that, like the Lakers have tied the Celtics. Oh God, give me a break. Like I need the Celtics to win the next championship between those two. (laughs) Just to, just to pull ahead again so that we don't have to hear about it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I, you know what? Somebody's got to do something with those titles. The, the, the Lake, the Minneapolis deserves those guys played hard and they lost to the Celtics several times in the finals and, and, and were, were able to win five championships. And George Mikan was someone I said was probably didn't get all the respect he deserves in terms of being an all time great player because he played in a time where he was like the, by far the biggest man on the floor. But I do think that they should give some love. I think it's good that the Lakers are finally appreciating, although I hope some of those players are still alive to see it. You know, <laughs> now they're wearing the retro Minneapolis Laker uniforms. And, you know, like, it's a little late. It's 35 to 40 years late. You know, I mean, you could you could have pulled you could have pulled Mike in back into the forum in 1978, retired 99. They very much could have done that. <laughs> you know, I don't know why that was not done. Yeah. All right, we are down to the final nine games of the Celtics season before the playoffs and hopefully a couple-month playoff run. We will see. Health is going to obviously be a big part of that. Uh, looking at the standings right now, which may be totally irrelevant by the time you listen to this show, sees two and a half back of the Bucks for first and uh, just a half game in front of the Sixers. But, of course, they've clinched the playoff spot. We know they're going, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's heavy on the home schedule the rest of the way, six out of the nine, and also they've already reached 50 wins, so... 55 is uh, insight for people that like uh, like the the nice uh I don't know kind of benchmark type numbers 55 would be a good one if the seas can can get to that or uh, or even more would what was be the what was the over well. under 54 and a half 56 and a half I believe it was 54 and a half well, yeah some people might be interested that. in that I'm just going to throw that out there <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right for Gary Washburn remember check out the A-list podcast check out his work in the Boston Globe as well Evan Valenti I'm Adam Kaufman we'll be back at it again next week and uh maybe at that point start to think about playoff series and who scares you Get into the negativity, right? All right, we'll see you later.